Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and also hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we are so excited to welcome to the podcast Sister Jennifer Free, a member of the Primary General Board. Sister Free, welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here today. <laughs> We're so you. glad you came. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sister Free has been serving on the board for three years, and in this role, she's been assigned responsibilities with the Church History Department. She's on the committee to revise the new children's songbook, which I think is so fun, and she's chaired the primary messaging committee. We're excited to talk to you today just about your personal insights and your experiences, especially with serving on the board these last few years. Thank you. We wanted to start, we were interested in your bio information you shared that you're going to school right now, which is incredible to think about on top of all your responsibilities with this busy calling, that when your children had grown that you decided to go back to school to pursue a bachelor's degree. So we're curious what motivated you to return to school and how you chose the topic that you're studying and kind of how that has come about to where you are now. I'd love to share. I know it seems kind of strange. Here I am, a almost fifty-year-old no, woman, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a full awesome. student. But I love it. I love it. And uh, when I was first married, we had to make a choice financially at that time in our lives of pursuing an education. It didn't work for both of us, and so we ended up focusing on getting my husband through school. And it's been a thing that's kind of haunted me, to be perfectly honest, throughout the rest of my life. When I was young, I received a blessing where I was encouraged to continue with my education. And so with also the counsel and warning that it would be beneficial to me um, later in my life. And so knowing that I had put that on hold has been something for so many years had kind of been in the back of my mind. mind. Yeah. And so when the time came that my children were a little older, I was able to jump back in and sadly had to start all over because (laughs) I hadn't gotten enough done, but have been able to continue that. And even if it's just one class at a time, I just move forward and keep working towards that goal. Mm-hmm. And have been excited about the topic or the, yeah, and tell the, us yeah, what, you're what studying. I'm studying, mm-hmm. marriage and family sciences through BYU Idaho. And I'm able to do that online, which works really well with my calling that I have now and other responsibilities with my family. And when I first started doing that, I thought I was going to pursue um, being a school counselor. Oh, okay. And uh, or just different counseling, you know, mm-hmm. type ideas. But as I've looked into the degree more and, and done more studying and taken more classes, I've realized that when I'm done, I really want to be able to advocate for children and youth and do that through working through government policy as well as education and through community and church. And mm-hmm. we all know that happens through strengthening families. And so the idea of, of advocating for strong families is something I'm pretty passionate about. This is so amazing because I just remember seeing this phrase, or I don't know if it's a quote, but it just said, you know, it's never too late to do what you want to do, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And it is cool because now, I mean, you said you were disappointed and it taunted you that you never got to finish your education at that point. But now you're carrying all your life experience and maybe some different passions that you picked up. And now to pursue something that you want to do, it's like, this is definitely what I want to do, you know, rather than mm-hmm. being kind of younger and a little more feeling maybe forced maybe. into something. I just think it's amazing. And mm-hmm. you've got great experiences that will certainly 
be valuable in that area. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting. I've I've loved it too, because the thing that keeps me going, because sometimes it can feel hard. I mean, it's hard at any stage, but sometimes you think at this age, what does it matter? Why do I continue? But it's just that process. To me, it's the focus on knowledge now. It's gaining knowledge. But maybe back when I was 20, it was the means to an end. Just checking Yeah, where now Mm -hmm. I just, the opportunity to gain knowledge and... And to me, that's the pattern that we follow to become like our Heavenly Father, isn't it? It's just that pattern of lifelong learning. It's that opportunity to continually learn and grow. And the more we learn and grow, the more we become like Him. And mm-hmm. so to me, that's kind of the driving force for my education right now. That's, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing. We have just loved meeting members of the general boards, and so we're so glad that you wanted to talk to us today. And we love learning about your various assignments and responsibilities because it gives us a glimpse into the tremendous amount of thought and effort being made for the worldwide membership of the church to feel supported in their roles and in their callings and just in their lives. So something that we found interesting is that you, Sister Free, were one of the first sisters to sit on an area council. And so we just wanted to know what does that entail? And will you just tell us about this assignment and some of your roles and responsibilities as a board member? Absolutely. I serve with two other sisters, one from the Young Women General Board and one from the Young Women Relief Society Board. And we sit on a Utah Area Leadership Council with the Utah Area Presidency. And like you mentioned, it was one of the very first. It was actually piloted through through the Utah area. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so exciting. It's been so <laughs> wonderful and so successful. And my understanding now is that Because of the success of that, it has now been increased so that there are representatives of the different organizations, the women's organizations, on all the domestic areas, leadership councils. And so in that role, I've been able to represent the organization that I serve, which is the primary organization. And that's been wonderful to be able to communicate the insights and needs of children But even probably more meaningful to me has been the open invitation by that area presidency to sit and represent issues related to women. So I sit there as a member of the primary board, but I also sit there as a sister in the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to share insights from my experiences and from my interactions with the sisters. What you're hearing and what you're... Yes. What's being raised in the meetings you attend in the, with the primary. and mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's been a really beautiful experience and, and probably one of the highlights of my calling. It's been a learning and growing experience, but it's been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. We mentioned in the beginning that you're on the Children's Songbook Committee, and I think I'm interested in this, and I think our listeners yes. will be especially interested in just anything you can share about this project as far as you know, the goals of the project, how you've been involved, and then what we can anticipate on. Yeah, kind of the progress yeah, and how like it's going. When we can expect it and just anything you can tell us. Yes, I wish I could tell you when to expect it. I really <laughs> do. I think that in the beginning, the date for completion but we're hoping it would be a little sooner than it is. And it's, These things take time, it is right? a, it is a, an evolving process, so it's continuing to evolve. But I serve on that committee with wonderful, faithful people, members that have been called to serve and members who love children and who love music and who love families. And I can't think of like a better group of people to I, hang out with. It really, <laughs> people that love music and children. It yeah. really, <laughs> really is. It is a joyful place. So we have gone through the process of reviewing all of the songs that are currently in the songbook. 
We have been able to make recommendations to the brethren, to the senior brethren mm-hmm. in the church about our recommendations for that. And, and those, those are still forthcoming. But I can tell you that the goals for the songbook are that songs that are selected are songs that increase faith in Jesus Christ and in our Heavenly Father, that the music teaches doctrine and really is able to teach the doctrine and principles of the gospel. Another one of the priorities is that we select music that is invites joyful singing so that it's something that people love to sing, that children mm-hmm. and families love to sing, that the music unifies members throughout the entire church, being that we are a worldwide church. And back in 19, whatever it was, 1985, I think, when the old songbook was done, the makeup of the church was different then. Mm-hmm. And now we're such a worldwide church that that's a, a big priority for us. Mm-hmm. Then that it's also music that can comfort and inspire and I'll do all of that. But I think the big difference that you would maybe will see is that the music that is selected really has a purpose of teaching clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ to children through song. I, I think we wanted to be sure to ask about it because people are so excited and passionate about children's music because I think for most people or for many people that grew up in the church, that's like the first thing they remember about church or about learning about the gospel are these songs. And I also think that the simplicity of the music even speaks great peace and calm to adults. It's like, that's kind of what I go to when I just need something, you know, like something peaceful and something that just focuses on the core of the gospel and the love of our Father in heaven and Jesus Christ. It's like, it's right in there in the song, in the children's songs. Isn't it true? And I just think too, and even as adults, we can think back about those songs that we sing as children mm-hmm. and they, they've stuck with us Oh, totally. and, and we mm-hmm. still draw upon them. And so it really is, it's going to be a huge blessing. And you think about how people just love the primary program <laughs> and just the Oh, obviously, the I know cute that's something kids, we're missing this year. Yeah, oh, yeah, just, that's true. I just thought um, about that. Well, I remember I had the opportunity to visit a ward that wasn't my home ward with a family who they weren't members of the church, and it happened to be the primary program, and they could not have been happier with, <laughs> with that attending church that day. And I just remember sitting there thinking exactly what you were saying the goals were for the children's songbook. I was just thinking, this is so simple. It does teach the gospel so clearly mm-hmm. and so beautifully in a way that, yeah, it sticks with us. It makes sense. And it's just so, it's so simple and so beautiful. So we were able to chat with you a little bit beforehand, and you shared some personal experiences. And again, you shared some of the things that you do on the board. And we felt like kind of a theme for your life, if we could say that, would be the joy that you have found in the gospel despite adversity that you've experienced or despite some very real challenges that you've experienced. And we felt like this is something that everyone can relate to because that is our experience on earth to some degree. We all have experiences of hardship and challenge, um, but that the gospel is there to bring us joy. And you shared with us that one of your earliest memories at a very, very young age, your brother died. But through this traumatic experience, your family was able to come together and build a strong foundation on the gospel, and that that's helped you as you've encountered other challenges and adversity. So we want to ask more about that and how your family was able to find joy in this tragic time. I'd love to share because it was a pivotal moment for our family and for me. Uh, when I when I was younger, my family was not actively participating in their membership in the church. Mm-hmm. And 
like you mentioned, my older brother was killed in an accident. And for me, I was quite young, but I was there at his passing when he went through the accident. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, obviously very traumatic and very hard thing to go through. But along with that, I would say probably one of my next memories was the day that my parents went to the temple and um, they took me and my younger brother and we knelt across the altar of the temple and were sealed as a family. So through that experience, I think that I learned through watching my parents' example was the opportunity that you have or we have here on earth to be able to take things that are traumatic and that are difficult, but turn them into things that can bring joy. And that is by turning to our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and through making covenants with them and by keeping those covenants. And that was a great lesson. That was a great lesson for me. And it's something I've, I reflect on and I have reflected on as I face other challenges and have faced other challenges in my life. I think when people go through such devastating experiences, it can pull you either way. You know, it can kind of tear you apart or bring you together. And I just love that you said, you know, after this memory I had of my brother's death, I have this memory of my family being sealed. And it just really set you up for the rest of your life this foundation, I think you use the word foundation, and I just think that's such an incredible image to then build your life on. And we just wanted to know, too, as you've continued throughout your life, what lessons have you learned in addition to that, just when you're hit with new or mm -hmm. different challenges? Yeah, well, and I would add, you know, my parents, it wasn't just that one big thing. You know, it wasn't just going, it wasn't just that idea of going to the temple, but it was that continuing. I know that as a family, we had never prayed before. But now all of a sudden, you know, so it was going to the temple, but it was all that preparation of learning to so pray small, together. smaller things small, that yes. added to be this mm -hmm. learning, big thing. Learning to pray as a family. Yeah. My parents learning to pray as a couple. They had never prayed as a couple. You wow. know, all of those different things. And so it was all of those little steps that continued to keep us on that path once we had gone to the temple and progressed together. But I mean, there are so many little lessons that I've learned. And I think that... What kind of sums it up for me, I came across a quote several years ago by a, a pastor. Uh, he was a Protestant pastor of the of last century, and I think I heard it in a general conference talk actually a long time ago. This pastor's name was Harry Emerson Fosdick is what it, his name is. And this is what he said, and I believe this with all of my heart. He said, some Christians carry their religion on their backs. It is a packet of beliefs and practices which they must bear. At times, it grows heavy, and they would willingly lay it down. But that would mean a break with old traditions. So they shoulder it again. But real Christians do not carry their religion. Their religion carries them. It is not weight. It is wings. It lifts them up. It sees them over hard places. It makes the universe seem friendly, life purposeful, hope real, sacrifice worthwhile, it sets them free from fear, futility, discouragement, and sin, the great enslaver of men's souls. You can know a real Christian when you see her by her buoyancy. And I can relate to that. I remember a priesthood leader telling my husband years ago that one of the greatest gifts you can give when he was serving as a bishop, one of the greatest gifts you can give a young man is to let him know that you're just a man who's figured out how to make the gospel work in your life. And I kind of feel that way. I'm just a girl. 
but I've been able to figure out how to make the gospel work in my life and how to be able to celebrate it as giving me wings and it lifts me and it inspires me. And that is what happens when we turn to Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that is what happens when we turn to Him, we follow Him, we try to learn of Him, we try to live like He did, and when we love Him. And the gospel of Jesus Christ truly does give us wings and makes us buoyant. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful quote. And what I love about that, too, is that it's something that speaks to people of all Christian faiths, right? It's saying having Jesus Christ in your life lifts you up. And we have differences. We believe things differently. We practice differently. But that focusing our lives on Jesus Christ is what lifts us. And I think it's beautiful, too, that you had that example from a very young age from your parents. That's a really remarkable blessing, I think, to have that example. And you have an interesting perspective because you saw it both ways. You remember when that wasn't there. Yes. And then what, how it was different when it was. What I thought about when you were describing what it looks like to turn to Jesus Christ, I didn't hear a lot of like shoulds or have to or things that, you know, it's not like a checklist. It's kind of like a condition of our heart. It's like the desire of our heart. It's the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And when you were telling us about this, I think that sometimes it can feel like all of those shoulds and to-dos and the, the things that we should do to be good Christians or to be members of the church, they can feel really heavy. It can feel more like a burden than a joy. And I appreciate the reminder that that's not how it's supposed to be. That's, that's right. That's yes. not how it's intended to be. So we'd love to talk with you about how we can reframe our view of these things that we do to bring us closer to Christ so that they're not a to-do list, but they're actually opportunities to connect with God and Jesus Christ. Yes, and I love that word reframing that you used mm-hmm. because I think oftentimes, as a matter of fact, that's a term that social scientists use. We go through trials, we go through things, but we can reframe them to look mm-hmm. for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And those opportunities we have are to grow. And I love that. So a couple of them that I have learned through through trial yes, and error in share, my life. Please share. I would say one of the first ones is the idea of putting aside perfectionism and replacing it with developing habits of religious devotion. So maybe focusing on righteousness rather than perfection. That's a big one for me. I think it's easy to get sucked into this idea of trying to do everything right and trying to be perfect. There's actually this cute story I heard at a BYU Mm -hmm. devotional once. This father told this story about, he says it's not his proudest moment, but he had this time where they were getting their family together. They were going camping. And they was trying to set up the tent. And, you know, he's talked about how we've all tried to set up tents before and we're trying to put poles in. And the, he said the wind was blowing mm-hmm. and it was not going well. It's probably and, dark. And he, probably pulled he had his wife and his young children and he happened to let a word slip that he would not be proud to use <laughs> in his language. And he said he went about the whole day. And later on that day, his daughter had gone to his wife in tears and she started to cry, and she was so upset that her dad had used this oh. this bad word. <laughs> and the, his wife was retelling this story to him, and she said, I thought daddy was perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and this wise mother looked at her daughter and said, oh, honey, your daddy's not perfect, but he's righteous. And 
went on and taught the principle to her that you can be righteous and still make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You can be righteous and not be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes if we can let go of that perfectionism and we can focus on principles of righteousness, that we then can be able to find joy in living the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can find that joy. And those are by developing personal habits of prayer, of scripture study, those things that increase our personal religiosity. And there was a day where we used to think that attendance at church and on having the perfect church experience is what brought conversion. But as we've studied and, you know, as, as data has been collected and as we've learned, we actually now understand that conversion comes through those daily acts of personal devotion and mm-hmm. personal righteousness. That is where true conversion of Jesus Christ comes from. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that is, that's one of the principles that I have learned through trial and error. Such a good thought. And to kind of work off of that, we know personal devotion is important. So right now, what that looks like or what we're being instructed to do is to study right this year, the Book of Mormon, but to follow this Come Follow Me program, which is kind of a personal or family study program in our homes. And we thought a lot before talking with you about we see families sharing maybe pictures on social media or sharing even just in conversation about what they're doing with Come Follow Me and individuals even reflecting on what their study looks like or what Come Follow Me looks like for them. And I think sometimes that can bring feelings of like, that's not what's happening at my house, you know, right. or that's not what I'm doing. So how can we even use these great thoughts as parents trying to teach children? And I think that's the key word is try, right? That's, right. that's what it sounds like to me is a habit is not perfection. A habit does not mean you do it every single day without fail, never making a mistake, never, you know, it's, no, I, I'm persisting, I'm trying. Right. That's right. And I think that sometimes we try to complicate it. And if we can just simplify, Mm -hmm. if we can just simplify, I have an experience that I had when my children were probably, I'd say my daughter was 10, my son was maybe six years old. Mm -hmm. And my husband at the time was traveling for work and he was gone quite a bit and life was really hectic that particular day. And I was frazzled and it was family home evening night. Now, I'm going to confess that there were a lot of times where I thought I had to have the perfect family home evening lesson. But that day, I, like I said, was frazzled. He was gone. And I finally just sat down with my children that night. I put one on one side because I have two, Mm -hmm. one on one side, one on the other side. And I grabbed a children's friend and I opened it up and started reading a story to them. Mm -hmm. They were mesmerized. We started talking about the pictures and we started talking about the principles in it. And they just sat and listened and they talked to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I had we had the best family home evening lesson I had ever had. And it was because I let go of everything. I just let the spirit guide a discussion and mm-hmm. we just sat and talked together. Mm-hmm. And as we did that, valuable lessons were learned. So I think that opportunity to simplify and just really focus on what matters. What is the outcome we really want for our children? We want them to feel the spirit. We want them to feel our Heavenly Father's love. We want them to feel our love. They want them to see that we're committed Mm -hmm. to the things that we say we're going to do. Those are the things we want. And so that would be some of the experiences I've learned. And those are the things that we really do want children to know and understand. Mm In the middle of this year, I had realized that it had been months since we actually, like, did come follow me. I think it was really easy at the beginning of the year to be like, this is awesome. As a family, we had this 
you know, little journal that we wrote in and we were doing so good. And then suddenly we just weren't doing it. And I think that's probably natural for a lot of people. And it's easy to feel, like we talked about earlier, kind of that heaviness and that burden of like, oh, I haven't I need to done this, do this. and it's, I should mm-hmm. do this. I feel like I have to do this. But then I don't remember how I came across this, but it just really changed my perspective when I thought about there's a parable of the laborers in the Bible. And it doesn't matter what time they come in, they all get paid the same. And so some started in the morning or some started to come follow me at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Some of them didn't come in till the middle and some came in the end. And I just had this experience that whenever I would spend just even listening to the scriptures for that week, something would happen that would be such a blessing in my life. And I'm like, I am getting paid in these blessings and it doesn't matter that I haven't done it for months. And I just feel like this conversation is so refreshing that you don't have to be perfect, but you just need to be righteous and you need to be trying. And Heavenly Father recognizes that effort and He'll reward us for that. And we don't have to be perfect. That's right. I have a simple little analogy. It's kind of a silly one, but it's one I've used with that. When it's the idea of we're trying to, we're all trying to be consistent, right? We're all trying mm-hmm. to be consistent in our efforts to live the gospel and to do those things that we desire to do. But it's like if you brush your teeth. If you missed brushing your teeth one day, it doesn't mean you give up and never brush your teeth again, (laughs) right? It's such a simple analogy, but why do we beat ourselves up over that? Why do we carry that guilt and shame? Mm -hmm. And and we don't need to carry that. We just pick up and we start again Mm -hmm. and we do a little bit better the next time. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And that has brought me peace in my life. Mm -hmm. It has brought me peace. Mm -hmm. I love that you highlighted earlier that this is even something we could think about from a psychology perspective, that it's sort of an inaccurate mindset or thought pattern that we have to be perfect for these efforts to be of any use or of any value. And that's what brings, you know, the shame and the feeling of it being a burden when that's that's not, it's just not true. No. And, and at any point, no matter where anyone is on the path, it's like, it's just a decision I'm going to try now. That's right. And that's, that's all it is. And really... Isn't that repentance? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what repentance is. Which is righteousness. That's something we've learned recently. It is recently a righteous the... action. Mm-hmm. It is. And it is that idea of it's every day we step up, we do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We try a little harder. We turn to Jesus Christ. The thing I love the most about repentance, too, is if you do it, repentance daily, it is an action of turning and remembering Jesus Christ every day. It connects us to mm-hmm. Jesus Christ every day. Mm-hmm. And that just getting a little bit better and improving a little bit better and turning to him and returning to him over and over again and not giving up, mm-hmm. putting away guilt, putting away shame and repenting and trying our best to be righteous. Mm-hmm. And that's where that lightness and, and joy comes in. That's where buoyancy comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I love that word. Yeah. Well, and I feel like as a woman, I'm just sitting here thinking of the different roles that I have and that this conversation about perfectionism and righteousness mm-hmm. really it can weigh heavy on each of those roles or fits into each of those roles that I have. I'm curious, Sister Free, about your perspective, just being so immersed in supporting primary children and your calling. But I was recently talking with a group of friends just about being moms. And actually, not all of us were mothers. <laughs> we were in different ages and stages of kids. And then some of us have struggled with fertility or are currently struggling with fertility. Mm-hmm. And our conversation just, of course, covered a wide range of emotions and 
on the topic of motherhood, we were just talking about how we do feel that guilt that we talked about and just kind of being discouraged. And I mean, I feel embarrassed or I feel like I'm being judged by people, you know, when Mm -hmm. I, for the decisions that I make with my kids. But anyway, so of course we're not perfect, but I feel like we form these ideas of what motherhood is or what it should be or what it will look like for us or what we have to do, just especially from like posting on social media. And it's just causing these false expectations for women and mothers or women who want to be mothers. And my question is just from your experience and perspective, what would you say it actually looks like to be a good mom? And how do we teach our kids and support our kids as good moms? (laughs) Well, first, before I answer that question, can I throw one more point out about that that I think is related to what you asked? Please do. Okay. I think another principle that I think goes along with that is the idea that we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. That that idea of comparison is, the comparison is a thief of joy, actually. And so as women, as mothers, as you know, sisters in the gospel, we really hurt ourselves. We continue to hurt ourselves as we continue to compare ourselves to the way others are doing things. And um, it's damaging to our spirits. And instead, I think we look at, and I think this could can be also contribute to that idea of what a mother looks like. Instead, I think we, we learn what the gifts are that our Heavenly Father has given us, mm-hmm. and we cultivate those, and we focus on those, and we pray for more of what we feel like we need. So to more directly answer your question about what does it look like to be a quote, unquote, good mom, I would say that it's different for everybody. Our relationships with our children are unique and individual. And I think a good mom is one who learns how to receive personal revelation. And a good mom is one who, once she's received that revelation, she's willing to act on it for herself and for her children. That just comes right down to asking the Lord. I think it's important for us to be willing as mothers to sacrifice some things that maybe aren't the most important for things that are better. That would be an important thing that we can do as women, as daughters of God. I also think that, as we talked about before, a good mother really reflects upon what she wants as the outcome. What is the outcome that she would like for her family, for her? And then she puts her efforts into producing that outcome. And a good mother is one who cultivates her relationship with her Heavenly Father who understands who she is, who understands her worth as a daughter of God. But that understanding, she's able to teach that to her children. But most importantly, I think, is really that relationship that she has and her ability to hear our Heavenly Father's voice and to be able to act on the um, revelation that she receives through the Holy Ghost. What I really appreciate about what you shared is, and you said this, you said there is not one way. And I think that's almost, we hear that so much that it's hard to absorb, but it's what you've said is that based on personal revelation, a good mom is going to look very different, right? From one mom to the next. So it's pretty impossible for me to look at another mom who I perceive as being a good mom and say, I don't look like her. So that must mean that I'm not a good mom, or I haven't reached that. But when it's, you can't do that. You can't look side to side. You can't look at someone else to judge how you are receiving and acting on personal that's, revelation. That's absolutely right. You have to look up to our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. He is the one that will teach you the way that you need to mother. Mm-hmm. And that is different from my experience. That was different for each of my children. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's your experience. I was a different mom to my daughter than I was to my son. Mm-hmm. I loved them both the same, but their needs were different. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop looking to the side. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to look to God. Mm-hmm. We need to look to God for our answers. We need to look to Him for where we receive our validation. Mm-hmm. All of that comes through our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And that is how we'll know. Mm -hmm. That is how we'll know how to be. And that when we're aligned, and He will teach us. He'll teach us. He'll tell you, you're doing really great right here. Mm -hmm. But then let's be open to Him making suggestions for other areas we can improve. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's not just up to us to figure out how to parent these kids that are so different. And not only do they change with each child, they change in their life (laughs) with their different (laughs) needs. And That's so neat, and it's so simple, but it's difficult to remember. But it's like Heavenly Father knows us so intimately, and then He knows our kids, too. And Mm -hmm. so that's really comforting for me Mm -hmm. to hear from you that stop looking side to side, look up, and Heavenly Father will Mm -hmm. tell us what we need to do based on our children's needs and our capabilities Mm -hmm. and our talents. And you know something I would encourage any person, any sister, any member of the church, any child of God, actually— is to kneel down and pray and ask Heavenly Father what you're doing right. I've done that in my life, and it is a beautiful experience to have our Heavenly Father be able to share His love and to be able to validate and uh, reinforce and just fill your heart with the goodness, and you can fill of His approval. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to do that more often as His children. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever done that before. I really Thank love you for that, that idea. Suggestion. Well, and I think we've talked about this on other podcast episodes, but you know, we are a people that are constantly striving to be better. We you know, we want to be better. We want to be more like the savior. We want to repent. Sometimes that's manifest in extreme with perfectionism, but even sometimes it's just like, no, I just want to be better, and we don't stop to pause. Even I've heard great counsel about instead of during the sacrament thinking about all the things you didn't do and all the things that you need to do to improve, think about what you're doing well. Think about what you're doing right. And I think women and especially mothers have a tendency to just focus on what's lacking. And that's probably sort of harmful if that's all we're focused on (laughs) all the time. I also have a question. It's something that I think a lot about. I think that because comparison can be such a powerful thing and the culture that we live in, whether that's the culture of the church or where we happen to live can be so strong. I think sometimes it can be really difficult to discern personal revelation. And I'm wondering if you have guidance for women who are trying to discern what is coming from God, what's just heavy pressure that I feel from looking around me or from the way I was raised or from what I see other people doing. How can we kind of strengthen that connection to be more certain about this is what Heavenly Father wants me to do? From my experience, it's been from acting, acting upon it. Mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, those good thoughts as you act upon them, you start moving forward. And if it's not the right way to go, then I have been given that it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. I think we can draw on personal experience. And that's what you've mm-hmm. shared. Mm-hmm. You've shared in my personal experience. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what I'm slowly experiencing is like I'm uncertain about like, is this the right way for me to be a mom or is this the right way for me mm-hmm. to be a good mom? And it doesn't look the same as someone else. And I feel like this is a path that I'm being led down. And when I stop and pause and reflect and I look back and I see 
the way things have built up and the way things have worked out. Right. It's like, no, I think I think this is good for me, you know? Yeah. Well, learning to, uh, to recognize mm-hmm. and understand and follow personal revelation is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. And I have felt in my life, the way I feel, the way I receive information, the way I receive revelation from the Holy Ghost has also changed through my life. And so there's times where I've had to learn. I've had to keep practicing. So the more we practice, the more we try, the, I think the better we get at understanding. And I think following those principles that President Nelson teaches, those principles that he teaches of obedience, of exact obedience, he gives a very clear outline of how we receive that. And I think that's worth a lot of study and a lot of application. Well, Sister Free, as we conclude this episode, is there anything else you would like to say to the listeners of the podcast? Well, I just hope that this conversation has been something that has been helpful and hopeful. I think the greatest takeaway I hope that listeners can hear is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is joy. Jesus Christ is joy. And as we turn to Him, even amongst the awful circumstances sometimes that we're faced in, and currently, you and I, all of us, we're... we're, It's pretty rough. um, It is rough right now (laughs) with COVID-19, and it sometimes feels like an emotional roller coaster, even for me. I don't walk around with this smile pinned on my face constantly. But I know with all of my heart, I have found it in my life that as we turn to Jesus Christ, that we can find joy and that living the principles that he teaches, the doctrine and living those principles bring us happiness. And I know that with all of my heart. And I've learned that through trying it out, through experimenting on the things that he teaches and that he has taught and that our prophets teach and that they have taught. And if I can just want to end with this last quote from Eliza R. Snow. This is probably my favorite (laughs) quote of of hers of all time. And it's who I want to be. It's who I strive to be and who I think that we all want to strive to be. But she says, I will go forward. I will smile at the rage of the tempest and ride fearlessly and triumphantly across the boisterous ocean of circumstance. And the testimony of Jesus will light up a lamp that will guide my vision through the portals of immortality. And I know that He will do that for us. And I'm so grateful for that knowledge. And I'm so grateful for Him and for His love and for His light. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being here and for taking the time to respond to these questions and also for being open to sharing some of your own personal experiences and insights. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. And if you're enjoying hearing the stories and experiences of the women on the show, we would love to hear from you. You can email Carly and me at podcasts at churchofjesuschrist.org with any feedback or ideas that you have for future episodes. And we would love to hear from you if you want to take a moment to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.